Welcome to Reading for Attention, the weekly podcast where me, Paul, and me bezzy mate Sarah chat about a recent book whilst drinking a carefully selected beverage. Now, why have we committed to reading a book every single week and talking about it in a public forum? Well, the same reason me and Sarah do anything in life, for attention. So Hello, back. Paul. Oh, shit. <laughs> Hello, Paul. <laughs> Hi. Hi, yeah. You all right? <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say is, so we're back from our trip. Oh, yeah, we are. <laughs> because if I'm correct, at the end of the last episode, we said, we're going on this trip. We're going to record that podcast on Sunday. We're going to take loads of funny videos and everything and put them up on Instagram. None of that happened. I took a load of funny videos, but they are never seen the light of social media day. No, I've got one or two, but... Oh, wait, I... hang on. That sounded as we were up to illegal things. <laughs> oh, so we, no. didn't, like, we didn't like murder people or anything. <laughs> didn't murder people or shoot up just... or anything. <laughs> No, we're just... They were just stupid videos. But anyway, so the plan was that sun- Friday and Saturday would be the wild ones and Sunday wouldn't. <laughs> Sunday act- actually ended up being my favourite day because we had... Well, I personally had two wild ones on Friday and Saturday. And then on Sunday, we went for Sunday lunch in this little village pub. And as soon as I walked in, I knew what was going to happen. And there's just nothing better than sitting in a cosy village pub. There were dogs on the floor and stuff. It was that kind of place. The waitress. Everyone knew each other. Everyone knew each other. The waitress was amazing. And when she finished her shift, she came and said bye and like hugged all of us. Like it was that kind of vibe. Um, and I really had se- several, several, several glasses to bottles of Pinot Grigio. I was going to say bottles of yeah. Pinot. Yeah. yeah. Then, then that was that. No podcast recording. Yeah, but, I read uh, one page of the book when I was away. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We well, had good intentions, but yeah. but anyway, we're back. And I we're think back. there is a bit of a sense of January is now upon us. I have minimal pounds in my bank account. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to open different bank accounts and credit cards to play them off each other and get bonuses and whatnot. Yes, I was looking at Santander's £100 joiners thing today, so I think I'm going to do that. <laughs> I'm fucking off Santander for HSBC, it's 150 Well, I'll do Santander and then I'll go to HSBC. Yeah, so that's, I mean, I feel like this. these thoughts will be relatable at this time of year on the 11th of January. Yeah. Um, oh, God. But, you know, I saw an article about people who do dry January, but for spending, and this woman who every January only buys essentials, and doesn't buy anything else and saves us money. I'm not going to go that far, but she has inspired us. But I can't, I just don't know what essentials are. Do you know what I mean? Well, I think it's different for everyone. So for me, Pinot Grigio, butter. Yeah. <laughs> lube. <laughs> what, else? what else do I love? No, I use the butter as lube. <laughs> and the lube as butter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, thankfully, we're, we're being forced to not go to work, so I don't have to spend £40 on the tube every week. Thankfully for you, but not for me. We've just had another show cancelled, which means that when I go oh. back to work, I won't have worked in over a month. Fit. And I know that sounds great, but it's actually quite taxing selling ice cream. There's a lot to remember. <laughs> and also, you're not getting paid. That's the main problem. <laughs> that is the big issue, yeah. <laughs> but right, we can't, we can't let... Because, That's fine. Yeah, January... January's fucking January. I'll tell you something. I realised this last year, and I'm mm. sorry if I'm mansplaining this to anyone... 
because mm. I genuinely didn't know this, but in the UK, we get seven months of summer and five months of winter. By this, I mean, I always thought that the clock's going forward in mm. March and the clock's going back in October. We're six months apart. They're seven months apart. They give us set an extra month of the longer times. <laughs> Thank which, you today. Yeah, but, <laughs> but it means though, because whenever it's honestly for, for 29 years of my life, when I got October, I was and, and the clocks went yeah. back, I was always like, oh, it's six months to go. It's only five years, and now it's only three. Well, I always think that winter, I always think this, and I can't get my head out of it, is that winter is from October till Christmas, and then from January just doesn't count. February is all about me, and then March is summer. Yeah, well, I think that's about right. So just everyone just thinks, yeah, winter. Like if I said to somebody, oh, you know, last winter, the head's not going to go to the 1st of March, is it? No, but also... You're thinking exclusively 5th of November. Yeah, and the sad thing is, it's fucking meteorological winter, whatever it's called, literally started about 10 days ago. It's the 21st of December. No, but that's when we get the more more light. I know, but that's the first day of winter. <laughs> is it? Yeah. <laughs> I'm almost sure. It's either meteorological or something else, climate, and that's the same thing. And it, they start on the 21st, it starts on the 21st of December, like the winter solstice, solstice. or whatever. Solstice. solstice. The solstice. And then the summer equinox. There's a solstice and an equinox. Right, right. This is, this is it. This is January chat. <coughs> oh, and she's got double COVID. No, I'm not. I'm immune. I was making people touch my tongue at the weekend. Yes, you made me touch your tongue with my tongue. <laughs> because <laughs> I wanted you to feel how dry it was after that dry white wine <laughs> all I saw was just your like pokey tongue coming out and you also wanted us to just have the tips touching when someone took a photo oh god Did I? Yeah. Oh, Paul. well don't worry babe I was like absolutely no bother here we go oh, fuck. right oh Did god I'm getting say? getting anxiety yeah me too so anyway Jan- new year it's gonna We're be looking- fine We've dodged a week of it because we had a week to look forward to this event. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And the event lasted until the 10th day of January. So we've missed 11 days of, like, proper Jan. Right, Um, shall we push on? (laughs) Let's soldier on, shall we? Do do you want to know about what book we read this week? Start with the drink because this is one of my highlights of 2022. Mm -hmm. So, okay, we are drinking a Bloody Mary. Did you buy Big Tom? I did. It's, it's Sarah, it's delicious. Do you not like it? Well, I'm not having a good time with this drink, you know. Why not? I think there's enough. Well, my mum doesn't have Tabasco. All that there is is Frank's hot sauce, which I don't think has like like buffalo wings. Uh-huh. Well, which that. I don't think has quite the same effect. So I've not put any in. Um, so it's just not spicy enough. And then I put in some Worcestershire sauce. And I know you're going to say it's pre-spiced, but it's not spicy enough. But I don't know if my palate's matured since lockdown one but this is this is what I wanted at Bloody Mary it tastes like when I tried to make it with shitty tomato juice and it was gross and then now I had a glass of this on its own with no vodka last night it's got 13 spices in it Sarah 13 you don't need any more what's in there we've got Um, flavorings including celery and mustard and then Worcester sauce white wine vinegar sugar salt tamarind garlic salt pepper cloves malt vinegar wow so when you made yours, did you add anything else to it apart from the body? I cracked some pepper into it because I thought I need to add something here. But that was mainly yeah. just for my own benefit. And then I didn't have celery. So <laughs> the only you thing. You used a leak. 
Well, not far off. I mean, because I was doing my save money, I thought I'm not going to go and buy celery. I'll just use what's in the fridge. So I just found a bit of a lettuce <laughs> and <laughs> cut, cut it up and stood it up in the drink. I've taken it out because it was pathetic, but I did take a picture. So oh, okay, I'll good. put that on Instagram, even though you know I won't because we say this every time. But okay. no, I, I like the drink. But anyway, so that's the drink. What's the mm-hmm. book? I'm just, I'm still, I mean, I'm still going to oh, yeah. it down. I've got the whole <laughs> bottle with this to like top myself up. Wow. Fucking look, I'm going to be a brand ambassador for Big Tom. If we get famous, that's what I want delivered to my door. Well, yeah, same, but I want them to make it just a bit tastier. Oh, no, don't say that because um, we won't get the fucking sponsorship when they listen to all of our eps back. I'll cut that all out. All right, I'll, ju- I'll settle for a limited edition bottle that's called Big Sav. Oh, I like that. Okay, so the book that we read this week, well, actually, last week for you, Paul, was Boy Parts by Eliza Clark, uh, her debut novel. And it's a first-person narrative, and it follows Arena, <laughs> who is a photographer. That sounds like Arena is in, like, a gladiator arena. And she's a photographer whose work fo- focuses on the male form. She and her work sort of blurs the boundaries between sex, humour, horror, the grotesque, and occasionally reality. That's all I want to say about it in terms of an overview, because I just think we should dive straight in. So tell me first and foremost, Paul, what did you think of this book? Just sensational. I am in love with it. Absolutely in love with it. I just thought it was brilliant. It was addictive, hilarious and dark, really darkly comic, but also grotesque and scary in parts and oh so scary I just was hugely impressed with it and partly because it is set in Newcastle as I mentioned last Mm -hmm. week there's something so novel about reading about places that you've been to before and I guess lots of books aren't set in Newcastle and and all of the Geordie slang I fucking Mm -hmm. love the fact that she just put Geordie slang in there that no one else would understand that's what I felt smug about that but she's like, I'm just putting it in there anyway. You'll get the gist. I wonder if the editor was like, Can, you're probably going to have to take that out. And she's like, no, I like yeah. that phrase. Well, because it would be pretty unsellable in America, wouldn't it? Yeah, but I don't think she cares because she's class. Exactly. She's, I mean, did you do much of the thing that we do quite often, which is where you combine the author and arena? God, yeah. But then in an so interview, did, she yeah. said, don't do that. <laughs> Did she? Well, there, yeah, yeah, because, yeah. because there is not a good person. No, um, well, that's the thing. So there's lots of comparisons. I thought of it as I was reading it, and it's written in reviews and things. Comparison between her and Patrick Bateman from American Psycho, mm-hmm. and there is a lot of that. She comes across as more or less a sociopath. Although we could talk mm-hmm. about we could talk about that though because I think there are times when she is not a sociopath and it makes her even more of an interesting character. Fascinating reading a woman who is a sociopath because someone like Patrick Bateman is so fetishized. He's this perfect bodied man who effectively just murders loads of people, but there's something that is sexy about him or something. And I've never seen that explored in the same way with a woman. I guess the only comparison could probably be Basic Instinct, but it's it's nothing <laughs> like that. Um, and that's not the best film. I, I don't know what it was. It was like I was weirdly obsessed with this horrible, nasty character. Evil. Evil. Yeah. Like, and, mm-hmm. and I think it was something to do with the fact that I was reading a woman like that for the first time. I don't know. I was just, it was like picking a scab. I just absolutely loved it. Yes. Oh, that's such a good way of phrasing it. Picking a scab. It was fantastic. 
you are right in terms of that unapologetic sort of geordiness because it's obviously written in first person and so there's less of a need to explain away things but this was almost like in your face about it it was a mm-hmm. bit like yeah i'm gonna say this thing you're not gonna fucking get it and i don't give a shit but it's, it's very arena <laughs> it's very arena that's exactly it's not my fault if you can't fucking keep up with me and my excellent work something that i only picked up on towards the end and then i wondered i was like trying to figure out if it held any more meaning is how frequently and consistently throughout the book it's her looks are referred to yes we never we never really get a full description of her we do get bits and pieces as the narrative goes along and you can sort of piece an image together i imagine you were just imagining like a chair leg or something Paul yeah on the mark but um it was a bottle of big tom for me (laughs) curves in all the right places and uh, yeah I was trying to towards the end when I was like oh is this something that I'm supposed to have made a bit more of a like link to or is it just calling out our sort of like pretty privilege because she's an incredibly good looking woman apparently yes Yes. um and is it just sort of a bit of an exploration of pretty privilege in western society because she gets away with some horrendous stuff and then it sort of that's what the book comes back around to is like is there anything that she can do that she'll get punished for what I found fascinating about that was pretty privilege. Yes, is a huge part of this. We mm-hmm. see from in within her mind that she is deeply unwell with her mm-hmm. pretty. Not only is she a narcissist, she's also got a pretty severe eating disorder. She mm-hmm. has real problems with drugs and alcohol. All she would ever eat was bags of salad out of the fridge, but like bags. And I just think the fact yeah. that it was bags and she might have been eating them like crisps just made it more. Yeah, because she she puts in tuna. She would put in half a tin yeah, of tuna pour into it a bag in. and shake it like a salt and shake packet of crisps. Yeah, and that is someone who eats food to exist and yeah, yeah, wants yeah. to be thin. So I guess that's the same as Patrick Bateman because he's perfectly sculpted but obviously deep within their minds there's you know it's not as if they just don't care about anything she clearly deeply cares about a weight for example and she Mm -hmm. projects it onto her friend who a friend is so annoying oh my god (laughs) but the way that she treats her is fully abusive and I I love this narrative device that Eliza Clark used and it was that her friend who is in love with her Mm-hmm. For all intents and purposes, like literally in love with her. They had like a little fling when they were at uni, but she's in love with her. She just is desperate for Arena to like her. She'll do anything for her. And she's just pretty annoying. Yeah. And she's got this boyfriend who she's kind of using to make Arena feel jealous, but it's not working at all because Arena doesn't <laughs> give a shit. And we learn about what you called again? The friend? Friend Flo. Yeah. So Flo writes this blog online. And it's just her pouring her heart out to (laughs) her faceless fans, much like me and Sarah do. Uh, (laughs) But an arena just, she she doesn't tell Flo that she knows it's there, but she she reads it all the time. And she's making fun of it to us, the reader. Like, look at the the state of Flo, look at all this stupid stuff she's saying. She doesn't care in the slightest. She's never moved by this blog at all. And it's it's literally like, I wish that she would be nice to me. I love her so much. and she just like she reads abused. it for attention but she literally is nasty to Flo and then Flo leaves Goes the house into and the next room <laughs> yeah and then like half an hour later she's arena scrolling on the blog like ha ha what a loser it's horrible <laughs> she's it's hmm. horrible so it's an incredibly useful plot device because it gives us a secondary oh, yeah, point of view into arena's character because it, there were points when I was like I don't know how much of this person I should believe yes 
But then again, this book twists in. It wasn't a totally unpredictable way, but for a character that is essentially in control of absolutely everything, including she sort of subverts the male gaze in photography. And I don't want to like, I know that this is an overall point probably, but like a bit on the nose, but she can control everything in her life, including the men in her life. Mm -hmm. Like she has control over everything. And without giving anything away, the control begins to slip and the blurring between all of these things in her life becomes, well, the, the boundaries of these things in her life becomes a little bit harder to distinguish. So then I began to question even more so these blog posts because they come in almost at too perfect a point. So it'd be like something happens to Arena, she'll give us one side of it and then she'll read Flo's blog posts and it'll be Flo like sort of questioning things and whatever. And then I was like, by the end, I was kind of like, oh, is that is even that Arena controlling the narrative still? I don't know. I guess what I'm trying to really say is that she crawls into your brain doesn't she and she just completely takes over and you don't know by the end if like any of what she's telling you is real but you I was still very desperate to believe it god yeah and do you see now how there was so many comparisons with absorbed that I was getting so many to our wonderful fan who recommended absorbed please read boy parts because it's right up your street but I, f- I feel like because I'm like treble hungover, I'm making half points. But the point that I was going to make about the difference between her and someone like Patrick Bateman, the fact that she's a woman is even though she is a sociopath and is in control of everything, she almost is asking, why are you letting me control you? As It's mm-hmm. like my position as a woman. And I'm trying to find this quote. That a beautiful I saw it, woman. A beautiful woman. So it's like pretty privileged. It's obviously still different for women. Basically, do I have to like smash glasses off every man's face that I know before somebody will tell me to stop abusing them? Like yes. it's something like that. She's like, what do you want me to do? You're all letting me be this horrible person, um, which is obviously victim blaming, but it was just an interesting thing to read. Yeah, this is it. I look at his purple face, his bloody chin and nipple, his swollen cheeks. I wonder what the fuck I have to do for people to recognise me as a threat, you know? It's like, am I even doing this shit? Have I even fucking done anything? Like, do I have to snap the wine bottle inside him to get him to stop sending me sad emails? (laughs) It's awful. And then you can't help but but laugh. I'm not going to read it because it does spoil it. It is a full-on black comedy. Well, it says pitch black comedy, doesn't it? What I was going to say is that the difference, though, between maybe just because it's it's new and it's not been as widely read or whatever, and I know I've referenced this person, this character before, but you know in Gone Girl, (laughs) when we suddenly realise that Amazing Amy is actually also a sociopath Mm -hmm. there was this sort of divide of people that saw it and didn't and whether or not they liked her and they thought that what she did and I mean what she did was pretty terrible but then pretty bad pretty bad pretty bad but then it was like the shift in attitude towards her was like you could ask anyone that had seen that film or that read that book and they'd be like yeah no Amy was an awful character and I, I did not want her to succeed in anything whatever Arena did in this book I was desperate for it to succeed at it. But then it got to the point where it's like, what does success look like for this woman? Because Mm -hmm. she is a really talented photographer. And like Sarah was saying, it's about subverting the male gaze. But she essentially goes around Newcastle, not intentionally, but she'll, she'll be on a night out and then she'll come back and she'll see someone on the bus. And she's like, you're quite ugly. Like you're not, you're not... (laughs) 
you're not conventionally good looking, but you'd be a perfect subject for me. And they tend to be sort of weird looking, scrawny boys or... I was just saying, I said this to you before, that one of the character's descriptions, one of these men's descriptions of his naked body is exactly how I would describe my <laughs> naked body. <laughs> you'd be a I read it and subject. I was like, has she seen me? <laughs> you're like covering your tits. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry, so carry on. no, it's fine. So she, yeah, so she finds these people and photographs them in pretty compromising positions. At the beginning of the book, she's talking about her subjects who totally get off on it, and mm-hmm. it's probably because they don't get off anywhere else. Maybe I don't know, and and it feels quite empowering. And then as the book progresses, you realize that she literally abuses her subjects. Like she yes. should be in prison for what she does to her subjects. And again, it's subverting the things that happen to women all the time. And I agree, Sarah, like I was never... So so I read some Goodreads reviews and loads of them were five stars. This is brilliant. And then some were like one star. Hi, um, I really actually think this book's really well written, but um, um, the character was just like so, 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 so mean. So I had to stop it halfway through. And I get that, like it, mm-hmm. it, she is, she's horrible, but there's just some, something about her that kept me with her. And maybe that says something about me. I think it's maybe to do with the pacing of it because that's not something that would initially like hit you in the face you know how when you read like a typical thriller it starts off slow and it builds and it builds and it builds and then there's this crescendo and then there's the usually a bit of actual like come down before the end of the book it's very rare that it would end like on a big explosion yeah whereas this seems pretty fast paced from the beginning her life is chaos from the get-go when you're just thrown in. but it still unravels the plot unravels without us really noticing that it's happening and I think by the time that some bigger realizations are made around arena and the stuff that she gets up to Mm -hmm. we're too far in to the relationship with her and you are so right that is such a good way to put it we're already yeah. there. We've already been sucked in, like Flo has, like everyone exactly. else in our life has. We're there. Oh my God, we're pathetic, Sarah. I know. I was I was like, do you know what? I would let you trample all over me. And also it was that thing, you know, how there's I don't there's that meme at the minute and it's like um of like some of the SpongeBob fish like vibrating, so you can't really see their outline. And the caption is like me in the cinema age nine absorbing the main character's personality. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. By the end of it, I was like, fuck, I'm too like forthcoming. I was like, the mm. next time I go on a date with a man, I'm just gonna tell him nothing and then throw a glass at his head. <laughs> <laughs> and then afterwards I was like, why do I think that this behavior is sexy? And like <laughs> we need therapy, that's why. Yeah, no, yeah, no, yeah. I'm really out in myself here. But it was just to talk about as well the writing. I don't know whether maybe because she's from Newcastle and you've just got a weird with words, you lot. Oh, but um, towards especially the, there are some quite graphic depictions of well, just violence um, and sexual assault and all that kind of stuff. And it's it made me squint when I was reading it. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like it's quite rare that a book will make me feel a bit. It's nauseous. gruesome. It's like grisly. <laughs> yeah and I'm also at the point in my life where I just I'm over trying to read and watch and absorb the gritty and like important material I like to read about fit people doing fit things like Sally Rooney like Sally Rooney yeah yeah um, but this was just addictive wasn't it I was just mm-hmm. so I was like this is gross but I need to know now yeah what's um, going on yeah, yeah yeah another thing that is really important in this book is class 
And mm-hmm. I think I mentioned at the end of the last podcast that Jesmond is a really important part of this story. It's only mentioned a couple of times and you wouldn't know if you didn't know, but there's a character called Eddie who she refers to as Eddie from Tesco, which is just funny <laughs> in and of itself. And Eddie is a... <laughs> she calls him that to his face. To his face. Oh God, yeah. But again, even if she's doing it inadvertently, that's asserting some sort of class almost power over him and that's really mm-hmm. important in their dynamic because mm-hmm. at the beginning of the book she basically has some sort of bust up in the bar that she works at and then she gets put on sabbatical it was the one thing I wasn't we talk about suspended disbelief I'm like put on sabbatical from working in a bar does that happen to anyone and why why did the like head of the place give us so much compassion but do you not think that that was maybe a quick uh, like a microcosm of what was to come that she just gets away with shit yeah yeah and I think it was like she knew that this place was dodgy and he was like listen just we'll put you on unpaid like yeah it probably was believable I was maybe I was just jealous (laughs) (laughs) you just need to get smacked at work and then yeah yeah and Eddie from Tesco lives in Walker and Walker is uh, a much more of a working class area Jesmond is one of the poshest areas of Newcastle and that's where she lives and she makes her money from these photography shows that she does when she can be bothered when she could be bothered to send the emails in um she get you know she's got money off her parents they pay her rent and I think Eliza Clark's making really important points here about class and privilege and how I don't think Irina is good at recognizing her privilege or if she does recognize it she doesn't care maybe it's a quite a, an obscure exploration of that type of character that we see probably throughout all of the literary history of the bored rich white girl who just destroys lives because she can mm-hmm. and she never has to take responsibility for it there's just loads of stuff written about this and some of it I don't know if I agree with so on the Guardian it says it is all a bit American psycho if Patrick Bateman were a consistently underestimated pretty girl and I don't know if I'd call her underestimated I think she's thoroughly estimated by lots and lots of people and that's <laughs> part of the problem she Not has a lot of smoke blood of her yeah, yeah she's, she clearly is a talented photographer. She gets commissioned to do this thing in Hackney in London and just travels down there and does that, gets five grand. So I don't know if she's it's, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, they mean if her danger is taken into account, the threat that she poses, but without recognising uh, You're so right. Underestimated that, in, in a strength way, and I've just, under, I've just fed into that. <laughs> but then, but the, but the reason for that is because the tool that she uses is the photography. So these men... Mm that she abuses while she photographs them consent most of the time they consent because they do not want to be undermined by this woman and they think that it's a shift in power that she can make them do these things and she keeps saying what's the phrase that she uses because it's like for consent sort of thing yeah but it's it's like this really like sort of nonchalant phrase that like it's easy to say yeah yeah I'm good too because that's just human nature yeah and and that's what women do all the time yeah oh my god yeah it's like a you good she says that you good you good you good you good so then they go what's yeah, the answer what are you supposed to say to that no so i'm always, bad <laughs> yeah exactly they're always just like yeah yeah and then she carries on and that's her permission she's that's like well i got consent permission. and they cannot handle the fact that this woman is completely abusing them and they would rather consent to it in kind of a way than to stop mm-hmm. it and eddie from tesco is just this the very tragic victim of it really it's it's yeah you just want to cry for him I do want to read out some quotes because it's just so funny so 
I put this on the Instagram. She's talking about, she's being horrible about our friend Flo, who she doesn't give a shit about. And it's, <laughs> the quote is, she liked Harry Styles a few. Oh, I can use my own accent. Why am I acting like I usually do quotes in the accent of the narrator in the book? <laughs> Ah, oh, thank stop. God. I can finally use my own accent. She liked Harry Styles a few years ago, and now she likes that white bread, absolute fucking baguette of a lad from Call Me By Your Name. <laughs> Timothy fucking Chalamet. That's Michael's absolute number one as well, which I just thought was really funny. Fucking baguette of a lad. <laughs> I know. And that's just, oh God. Oh, but, I'll tell you something oh, that I highlighted yeah. just looking through my notes. She's in a taxi and she says, um, she's just chatting shit to that one of my favorite idiosyncrasies of her character was that she'll do this whole long rant where she's like she just goes on and on and on about these things and then she's like anyway i finished up telling that to my uber driver yeah yeah <laughs> i'm like i can relate like four times she'd be like, he asked me if i needed help yeah she's like fuck off yeah shut up um yeah. but then yeah she's in the she's in the uber drive and she's sagging her friends off because they're in the back of the uber drive and they've just done some drugs and one of them's getting his tits off and then she said um this is because i feel upset that it's set in newcastle and not preston so this is for any mm. prestonians listening have you ever seen bounce by the ounce on youtube bounce by the ounce and the uber driver says no what is that is it a music thing sort of it's a video of this tragic club somewhere shit some shitty town there's this bold fella gurning his tits off looks like Gollum. Gollum in a really rough extended cut Gollum in middle earth after dark like one bump to rule them all one bump to line them one bump to something and in this set we bind them i say <laughs> and i'm just gonna let you know bounce by the ounce was filmed in pop world in preston <laughs> that shit town you're from in it <laughs> I was like, shut up, Arena. <laughs> Just because you're from Jasmine. Another really funny one is so she's her mom is shit. Her mom is shit. Oh god, and I wanted to kill her mom. But and you can see where she gets at eating disorder from. And it's very mm-hmm. subtle. And Arena never actually acknowledges or recognizes to the reader that her mom said something stupid about weight, but she says about Flo that she, oh she was always skinny. We just put weight on. That's what always happens to skinny girls because they never know that they need to like maintain their weight and then it'll find them. But anyway, so she's texting her mom and mm-hmm. she's about to text her something and then she's, and then it says, and then I delete it and replace it with that crying laughing face that old people use when they're being racist on social media. <laughs> yes, I've got that <laughs> highlighted. <laughs> And I use that all the time. <laughs> I just love the idea of someone reading that and getting offended by it. Like, oh, yeah. I'm racist. Oh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah this, I've highlighted this one. Um, this is when he's, she's talking about Eddie and trying to, Eddie from Tesco. Oh. Mm. He's trying to figure out the kind of people that he would have dated. Um, he seems like the kind of man whose girlfriends are perpetually younger than him. Like he dates 14 year olds when he's 17, 18 year olds when he's 25. Never enough that it's illegal, but enough that it's weird. I can also see him with some bossy, frumpy pony club type or an adult emo with a dated haircut and a lot of Joker merch. Just unbelievable. <laughs> a lot that's... of Joker merch. I was like, that's not even me, but I feel offended. It's just um... <laughs> because no one is safe in Arena's world. I think that was no. part of the reason why, because I'm a chronic people pleaser and I know that you're the same. One of the reasons why oh, yeah. I was fine with her doing whatever she wanted was because I was like, if she met me, she'd <sighs> rip me to shreds. So I needed uh... to like me. So I'm going to be like, okay, babe, you just do that, babe, and I'm I'm fine. She would be the kind of person where I would be at a party, there'd be 15 of us around, and everyone's, like, quite feeling my jokes, and I've made four or five jokes and got some good laughs, and she has just not laughed at any of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what and it would be. She, and then I'd cry. somebody else at the table, and she'd be like, shall we just fucking go a bit? Yeah, but so there's, there's so many funny 
quick witty things like that which just makes it an absolute joy to read but Mm. then there's also stuff like this so she's talking about eddie from tesco who as i said is just a tragic little victorian infant and she says my mom always used to tell me that you catch more flies with honey than with vinegar and eddie from tesco is a fly but he's got a taste for vinegar it's like vinegar is all he's ever had from people and now he doesn't even know what honey tastes like and that just really typifies this poor little boy um and then perfect actually there's another quote that i'm not going to read because it comes from eddie and I want you to read that yourselves for the first time. We've talked for bugger in ages, but it's my favourite book, definitely my favourite book I've read on the podcast by quite a country mile. Yeah. My favourite book I've read in a while and I'm, it's front running. And I loved Absorbed as well, by the way. It's number one of this year. And let's just see if anything can catch um, Eliza. I'm a bit worried now that we've read this on week two because this is going to be the bar and I just think it's going to be quite untoppable. Well, we'll give it a good bash. Do you know what I'm pissed off about? What? She's 26. She's northern. She's um, both of which I am as well. And she writes about an annoying woman, which I was thought I was going to do. You can. She's, maybe she'll start a whole subgenre. Um, but I wanted to be the one to start it. Um, who was the first celebrity that you realised was younger than you? Um, I don't think this was the first, but I remember when I was watching The Violin a few years ago and then I found out Kem was 21. Mm. And I, and I wanted to throw myself off a building. Yeah, the, Wes was a bad one for me because he was 19. I oh, fucking hell. But the first person I noticed who was young... And by the way, that's not the first person I noticed because I'm 10 <laughs> years older than him. But it was Alexis Jordan. Do you remember Alexis Jordan? Um, The name is really ringing a bell. Why can't I, I think of her? Because she's she was a bit of a flash in the pan. I think she was signed to Jay-Z's label or something and she released one album with three bangers on it. And then I've never yeah. really seen her since. Yeah. Um, as in the one who sang happiness uh, mm-hmm. through strength I found love. Oh, I'm going to listen to her tomorrow. Uh, and she is just a couple of months younger than me. And I think I, I think I was 19 when that happened. And I was yeah. like, oh, my God, how is she famous? And I'm not. I'm older than her. Yeah. And now so, everybody is younger than me. That's except... what's slowly happening to me now. It's yeah. Slowly... Well, it's not a shock anymore. In. So obviously I've already talked about I'm a massive tennis fan. Uh, loads of tennis players are retiring and they're younger than me now while they're retiring. Because it used to be that you, they're getting a bit older now, but 30 kind of used to be the cutoff. And yeah, like, sorry. How old's Federer? Oh, he's ancient. He's 40, but he's yeah. like, a, um, he's a prodigy. But Johanna Conn has just retired. She's my age. Is she? Like, yeah. Like sorry. She's your age. Yeah. She's 30. Yeah. I thought she was about 41. <laughs> Well, good. As long as she looks older, I thought that's fine. So when we started this podcast, we were weeks in advance, which meant that we couldn't talk about the news. But now that we're recording the week of the podcast, at least the bright side of that means that we can talk about what's actually happening in the news right now. Mm-hmm. And it's been a it's been a bad week for Boris, I would say. Yes. With the the new <laughs> The new I, EYOB party that he had. Yeah, I know it's not funny, but I was crying when I read the headline. <laughs> like, Boris Johnson invited a hundred people to a BOYB party in May 2020, i.e., like literally during the first lockdown. The guy who sent the email literally hours before he sent the email with the invite, being like, 
uh hi babes do you want to come over byob like we'll provide snacks you provide drinks a few like three hours before had given the latest press conference that afternoon and he'd been like you cannot meet more than one person outside two meters distanced all this kind of stuff like that is that is embarrassing am i i must just be really naive i didn't think that everyone was following the rules but i I didn't think they were having huge seshwanis fucking for 100 people in downing street (laughs) Uh, how did they get in does this go through the back like what (laughs) Do you know what I've realised? No one watches front doors, do they? That's probably mm. the most watched front door in the UK. But who's mm. watching it right now, for instance? Well, nobody was watching it then because we're all in the hoose. And you exactly. know what, right? Exactly. I'm sorry, I'm going to admit it, but I think it's time that we we'll all admit the slight breakages that we did of the lockdown rules. Because everybody did it. I don't care. Everyone says, <laughs> oh, I locked my... I didn't even go out. I'm sure some of you did, sorry. And it wasn't a big break. But the, I remember the day that they changed it to you can have six outdoors was yeah. the day after Michael's birthday. So we mm-hmm. had to go downstairs to the neighbours. We had like a shared garden with the downstairs neighbours. And like, I know that it's not changing to tomorrow, but is there any chance we can have six people sitting outside in the garden um, today instead? And they were like, yeah, that's absolutely fine. But <laughs> I remember how terrified I was to ask them and how guilty I felt until I had a few drinks. And then literally <laughs> sat outside all night and it's just mental, isn't it? Like that they were having sashies. Yeah, but it's, again, it's just one of those things where I'm like, do you know what? It, it, if I think about it for too long, I will get very, very, very angry about it. And I just mm. don't want to. I knew that they nah. were dicks. I knew that they were dicks from everything that they've done prior to COVID. In their lives. So, in their lives. <laughs> so like Boris Johnson, it's a, a well-reported-upon rumour that to be part of the Bullingdon Boys Club, of which I'm pretty sure he was the president at one point, you have to burn fifty pound a £50 note in front of a homeless person. Mm-hmm. So, knowing that's, like, the beginning of his career, I, I'm just not... This isn't the thing that's going to boil my... Do you know what I mean? This isn't the thing that's going to nah. boil my piss. Like, the, and also, people forget, let's just get the quote perfectly right... That he said about us, the gays. Oh, yes. Called the gays. (laughs) Tank tank top bum boys. (laughs) That is hilarious. He called we're tank topped bum boys. And then at the same time, he said something incredibly racist about black people specifically. But anyway, point being, yeah, he's who's put him in? He's called with tank top bum boys. And now he's the prime minister. What were you expecting? What were exactly. you fucking expecting if you voted exactly. for him? And also, like, um, I forgot. Ex- oh, oh, yeah. I was just going to say that, you know, that he's now, because there's obviously been an investigation launched and whatever. And then he was, not interviewed, but some journo was like, hey, babes, um, were you there? Can you just tell us if you were there? And he was like, well, and he's laughing. He's like, well, will the uh, investigation will, uh, uh, you know, will investigate that it's actually under investigation. And they're like, yeah, yeah, but it's just a yes or no question. Were you there? And he goes, oh, well, the uh, investigation will uh, show you all of the findings. <laughs> and then it's like, babe, if you weren't there, you'd have just said no. So you, you were there. You probably gave everyone a snog as they came in. Shag, Mary kill. Mm. Bozza. Mm. Handycock. Oh, Gavin Williamson. Oh, no, I can't Mary. do it. What is- Horrible yeah. question. Horrible we question. We don't need to play this hypothetical game. <laughs> no, we don't. Why, why are we putting this on ourselves? Um, and then the last, the news story, it's been a bad week for tennis use. Bad week for tennis we've got. Um, although it's just the perfect nickname, Novaks. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. 
Novak's is being a little shithead. Mm. And oh, yeah, that's just a disaster. I'm quite intrigued by the drama of it. And it's really weird seeing it being like the headline every single day. Mm, um, yeah. Wait, there, something else has happened this week in the news. I feel like I, I stopped. This is ignorant, but I did stop reading the news. Um, oh, nah, COVID God. I only do it for goss. Well, the, now I just get these Apple notifications and the, it's never good, is it? Never like you've won a million pounds. It's just like, oh, actually, I'll tell you something. When they said Elaine Maxwell had been found guilty, I did do a little whoop. Yeah. Um, I'm just going to Google news because I'm sure there was something quite big that I thought about talking about. That I bet, that I bet. And I'm about, that I'm about just quickly on the bad tennis week. So Emma Raducanu, oh, sorry, yeah. Emma Raducanu's first match of 2022 was today. Do you know how many games she won? None. Just the one. <laughs> Oh. As in games, not sets in, or like, matches. Forty, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> who was yeah. she playing? Someone who should have beat her. So, but still, it and and the this is what I've been worried about with her is I had a look a little look at Twitter. I don't know why I did it, but I did. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the instant misogyny is really, really scary. Like, because obviously now it happened to Serena as well. When Serena was mm-hmm. probably about 25, she started doing some other things. So she started, she did a bit of acting, she was a fashion label and all this stuff. And the world turned, the tennis world at least turned on her. And Chris Everett, who's one of the most successful tennis players of all time, wrote this open letter to Serena Williams saying, I really, and that was the first time I'd ever heard of open letter. And I've ever since then, I've fucking hated the phrase open letter. Just like, just call it a fucking letter. Um, (laughs) Just call it a a cry for help. Yeah, yeah. And she basically said that, why are you doing all these other things? Come back to tennis. You're so talented. You shouldn't be spending time doing that. You should be there. And just like, obviously came back and became the most successful tennis player of all time. But the Radican, (laughs) the stuff is just like... Oh, you thought you were so amazing signing all these deals and you didn't, you weren't working hard enough. And it's like, can you imagine when Roger Federer started getting some success that everyone kicked off that he was signing to Rolex and stuff or any, mm-hmm. any of the male tennis players. But yeah, it's, it's, that's, it really reminded us of, of what happened with Serena. I mean, to be fair, well, she's had COVID last week, so she's probably not all that well. And yeah. she's still fucking 19, like, but it's just, oh, I knew it was going to happen. Do you know what, Paul, on that note... Do you want to tell us what book we're reading next week? Yeah, I've sworn more than you in this episode. No way. Have I think I have. Tally? Well, I just keep saying the F word. I'm a little potty mouth. Oh, I was going to use the C word. Because <laughs> <laughs> you spent the weekend with me. with me. No, it's this big Tom's firing his right up. Oh my God, that was the thing that I was thinking about, the big thing. It's also been a dreadful, dreadful week for influencers. <gasps> Molly May, how have we forgot about that? Uh, yeah, Molly May is <laughs> not well. She's not well. But I mean, it. Uh, listen, I'm not gonna in any way defend the comments that she made. That's what people say before they just defend someone. Yeah, no, I know, but but. But if you like, but she's fit, so who cares? <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what everyone's thinking, you know. No, but I just think, at what point are we just gonna be like, she's absolutely fucked up. Her career is pretty much ruined that's not because every single day I've gone on Twitter since it's happened and it's all that Twitter is on my feeds anyway um and I just think I'm telling you now it'll make her more famous it will not ruin her career well this is I said it to you the other day when it first happened she killed her fucking dog well I mean she didn't actively like throttle it but she had a she got a dog and then four days later it died because of the dodgy circumstances in which it was bred and then bought um and she that didn't damage her at all but no 
But Talk about I do pretty think, uh, yeah, this is pretty privileged. I just sometimes I just do think like leave her alone. Yeah, just she's. I think she's probably done enough crying now. Do you know what I mean? I just and I just don't believe that she's going to have any understanding of what who she's offended and why. No, and she that, needs somebody to probably lecture her, but that's not going to be the case. She's just going to yeah. somehow become the victim in all this. Well, who's going to lecture her? They've they've given her half a million pounds to be like the CEO of a frigging company who's going to tell she's going to be which is you know it's like Lindsay Lindsay it's Lindsay she's surrounded by yes people exactly yeah you're not wrong you're not wrong and we were away with a girl at the weekend who was having a haircut in the same salon as Molly May and apparently she rang Tommy up and she went I need food now and then he rocked up a few minutes later with like some really expensive sushi and a bunch of roses. <laughs> Sorry, where was I during this story? I was just necking some cocoa <laughs> gold, dry, 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 peanut, peanut, greed. Unconscious somewhere, <laughs> somewhere or other. Um, right, next week's book is The Right to Sex by Amia Srinivasan. And this was another recommendation from a mm-hmm. uh, huge, huge fan. Actually, he, he's emailing me, uh, I'd say 10 times a day now, and he keeps trying to ring me. I've had to change my number. So Zaf, He's actually, I've spotted him outside my, my house. He was my at the house. weekend away. And yeah, no, it was did hear intense. that rustling in the bushes. Yeah. yeah, I kept seeing his little head poking out and I just thought, <laughs> oh, Zaf will read your fucking book, calm down. <laughs> We're reading The Right to Sex. Um, this is... The Right to Sex, colon, Feminism in the 21st Century. It's a collection of non-fiction feminist essays. Um, and I've read two of them and super interesting. The second one's about porn. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's really, really interesting and quite short. And we're going to be pairing this drink. So again, mm-hmm. I've gone on the nose here. Right to Sex, Sex, Sexy. What's sex Sexy? On the beach. I, w- I was going to do Sex on the Beach and I thought that's too on the nose. So... I and was it's like, a shit drink. It's not great. What's a sexy drink? And I thought, well, fucking hell, we've already had a filthy dirty martini. That's sexy. We had a lychee sake martini. I was like, that's sexy. Googled sexy drinks. There's actually quite a lot when you Google it. <laughs> um, and I went on Pinterest, and one of them is the classic Earl Grey martini. Oh. And it looks very sexy. And I can imagine drinking it being sexy. Also, I thought feminist because we're drinking a man. <laughs> Wait, Earl Grey is in Grey Martini. I'm just googling it because I've never that did not I've sound right. Well, I don't know. I hadn't either. But Earl Grey. Oh, actually, incidentally, there's a monument of Earl Grey in the centre of Newcastle. Right, Paul. Confession time. Who the fuck is Earl Grey? I'm just having a googly woogly. Okay. <laughs> um, let's see if this is a prime minister no 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 if he was we need to edit that out i can't Sec- not know second Earl Grey. no i've never heard of it i mean we're literally talking about 1830 here oh right let's let's have a look at right i'm just gonna look at Earl Grey tea and see who it was named after because he was Earl Grey the second uh history yeah Earl Grey, charles gray second Earl Grey, british prime minister in the 1830s the Earl Grey blend is assumed to be named after him oh i love learning shit anyway the Earl Grey tea that i'm gonna have is Brew a good, strong pot of Earl Grey. And I do love Earl Grey. Cool it in the fridge and then mm-hmm. just use that instead of martini. So it's just vodka and cooled Earl Grey tea. I think that sounds delish. Or gin, if but... you prefer. All right. Um, brilliant. So let's we'll, we'll try and be less shouty and sweary and angry next week. Should we not talk about enjoy. politics either? No, it was me. I'm a right little madam today. <laughs> okay, so yeah, next week, Earl Grey martini right to sex reading mm-hmm. oh, 
readingforattention at gmail.com. Follow us on Spotify because I didn't realize you could do that. And then I saw it and our followers keep going up on Spotify. It's really exciting. Oh, that's nice. You know how many we've got now? 186,000. Oh my gosh, I thought you were being serious. I am. What are you on about? <laughs> oh, poor. Don't do that to us. I was going to guess we've probably got about 25 followers on Spotify. Got 60. <gasps> well, that's better than 25. 40. <laughs> um, okay. Sarah, have yourself a nice sleep. Oh, I'm so excited. Uh, and I will see you next week. Oh, I miss you. Oh, do you? Yeah. I miss you too. We've had too much time together. Get withdrawal symptoms. No such thing as too much time. No. Okay, bye. Um, love you, bye. Love you, bye.